Welcome to the Pet Photographers Club with your hosts, Caitlin and Kirsty. Tune in as experts share their insights to help grow your business with higher sales, creative marketing, and kick arse business strategies. Now on to the show. Hello, and welcome to the Pet Photographers Club. I'm Kirsty of Bits of Bernard Photography. And I'm Caitlin of Ragamuffin Pet Photography. And today we have a very special guest for you. Woo! <laughs> We're so excited to bring on this amazing photographer and businesswoman. So let's dive right in. Our guest today is animal trainer turned pet photographer based in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. She's renowned in our industry for creating Hair of the Dog blog, an online community dedicated to pet photographers with her blog, workshops, and Facebook. It's Nicole Bagley, people, and welcome to the Pet Photographers Club, Nicole. Ah, thanks so much Yay. for having me. <laughs> thanks so much for coming on. Of course. We're so excited to talk to you this morning. Oh, me too. We both have been really excited to have you on the show, and we would love to probably get your perspective, I suppose, on how you describe what you do and sort of how you got there as well for the listener a little bit of a rundown. Yeah, absolutely. Long story short, I spent 13 years in the zoological world after I graduated college um, training everything from free flight birds to seals to monkeys to you name it. Um, And that was awesome and super fun. And I loved it. And uh, then I got to the point where I was kind of middle management. I ran my department and I love my staff, but you know, I was working full time. I was pregnant with my son. So I have two kids. And um, I just wanted a change from having to be somewhere working weekends, holidays. Um, you know, and I just I lost the passion and for it because I was doing so much more management stuff and so much removed from the animals. So it's like, all right, I and I've always had this entrepreneurial bug. So I'm like, I, I want to do something. What could it be? And I thought maybe I'll be a dog trainer. But then the thought of having to train the people to train their dogs and mostly (laughs) the thought of going back to someone's house like the following week and being like, hey, did you work on what we worked on? And they'd say no. And then they'd be like, why is my dog still doing this? (laughs) I I just I couldn't I couldn't wrap my head around being able to ever do that. (laughs) So I love taking photographs of the animals that I worked with. And um, so I created a photography business. When I started, I did families and pets, mostly because I didn't think you could do pets enough to make it just about pet photography. This was about eight years ago. Yeah. Uh, this is familiar. Yeah, yeah. And then, <laughs> uh, then a couple of years, in, well, it was just about three years ago now that um, it was a hard decision because my family stuff was easy. I liked it. I didn't not like uh, photographing families. Um, and I really did nothing to market the family stuff. And it was just really hard to make the decision to be like, no, this is the right move. I need to drop the families and just focus on the pets. Um, but it's a scary thing when you're looking at, you know, a good $50,000 of revenue a year that you don't do anything to bring in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, it was scary, but it was it was definitely the right the right change. So um, now I have my pet photography business um, based here in Pittsburgh, but soon to be moving to Charlotte, North Carolina in the fall. And uh, I also run Hair of the Dog, which, you know, is dedicated to helping pet photographers find and run and build a successful business built around a life that they want to live and and making the most of their, of their time. Yeah, that's 
I think it's pretty inspiring for anyone listening to your story to sort of see that you just made the decision to make that switch. Did you just take families off off your website called Turkey or how did you go around that? Yeah. I, I did. Mm-hmm. Yep. I had, I rebranded cause it was time to rebrand anyway. Cause my original logo was, you know, when we all start off, it's, it just, yeah. <laughs> I always tell people too, I'm like, don't stress when you're first starting because you know, your work and your style is going to evolve. That's going to take a couple years to develop anyway. So like make get something good enough. And then once you have your style t- um, honed in a little bit, then you can spend the energy time and money to, you know, rebrand to make it all, um, you know, more in line. So anyway, I was going through a rebrand and I knew I wanted to be pet specific. And at the time before I had, basically I was managing three websites because I had my family website, I had my pet website and they were on subdomains. So then I had like the main website, which was just the splash page. So it was three backends of websites and two different Facebook pages. Mm -hmm. And it was insanity. (laughs) So from the beginning, you always had set up as uh, two separate businesses effectively? At the very beginning, I just had the one. But then as I started to delve into my target market more, I realized my family target market and my pet target market was completely different. Mm -hmm. Um, So I felt the need to have, even though it was all still on NicoleBagleyPhotography.com, I had a kid's subdomain and a pet subdomain. Gotcha. Yeah. Then you can get there and they can kind of choose their own adventure of where they fit. (laughs) So originally, I assumed the businesses were Nicole Bagley, pet photography, Nicole Bagley, children's photography, family photography, whatever. Yep. Yep. It was all under just Nicole Bagley photography. You stuck with that business name. You didn't go into something pet specific. Right. What was the reasoning behind that? Uh, well, I already have some brand recognition. Right. And I also, I also, I don't know, I kind of like just having my name because it gives me so much flexibility mm-hmm. to go anywhere that I want. Um, you know, when I started this, I thought I was going to do families forever. So if I had some, you know, cute family name, then, well, that wouldn't have served me well. Yeah. When I decided to go straight to pets. And I can't imagine changing it now, you know, but even if I did, you know, I, I don't know. It just gives me flexibility. And I realize there's a lot of people out there that maybe have names that it wouldn't really work for if it's really hard to spell or um, pronounce or remember, you know, they might have to go another thing. And, you know, and there's, there's pros and cons for both ways. Cause if you have, you know, like the more branded names, they're memorable and people know what you do right away. And then you have the, you know, trademarking and, you know, there's, there's pros and cons both ways. So there's, there's no right or wrong answer there. Yeah, definitely. I, I just find it really interesting hearing the sort of backstories of where people decide to go. Yeah. So when you rebranded, um, oh, we're diving in. <laughs> oh yeah, I love it. Before we dive, I'd like to get back into rebranding and sort of how you um, pushed your pet photography and even way back to your origins and sort of how you um, began marketing in the first place and got those people to start the brand recognition and everything. But before we do dive into that, Kirsty and I are collecting for the Pet Photographers Club, essentially um, the toolbox of success for all of our different guests. Yep. So um, we thought we'd quickly run through that and then we can dive more into the meat of your business. Sure. I love it. Yeah. So I guess the first one is there any recommended um, apps or tools that um, that you'd love to share? Yeah, absolutely. So I started to write down these things and I realized that I can't choose just one. So I have three for pretty much all of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, so my apps that I can't live without right now, I am a sucker for new software and like new, like, oh, <laughs> shiny. And sometimes I question, I'm like, am I actually saving time? Because I'm like, let me try this. Ooh, let me try that. <laughs> but Sometimes I have to control myself. Most recently, my favorites are, um, I definitely can't live without Trello. My entire brain lives in Trello. I have like brain dump Trello boards for literally everything in my life. Trello, just for the listeners, it's similar to Asana, right? Uh, I don't use Asana. It's like, well, it's like a, it's like, um, yeah, it's a project management tool and it's set up. I forget how to pronounce it. Con- Kajaba or something like but it's actually it's like you look at it and there's columns and there's cards in each column and you can move the cards around and you can flip the card over and have due dates and checklists and add attachments yeah so it's awesome so it's kind of like having an electronic uh, like massive pin board with sticky notes that you can move all around right yes with due dates that you can have email you and all that good stuff right cool I've never heard of Trello. Is that your business management? Is that you're using something instead of like Tave? No, it's more, it's, I don't use it for project management, but you could. Um, It's more just like I do like giant, when I have a project I want to work on, I will put it on my massive brain dump in there, you know, because I used to have literally like a a eight and a half by 11 um, legal pad with like five pages of to-do lists of just random things. I'm like, I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to do this. I want to do that. Yeah. (laughs) So now I can just put it in there and it frees up, um, you know, bandwidth in my brain. Yeah. And then other times too, if I have a massive project, like I need to redo my website right now, that's coming up in the next month here. So I'll make a Trello board for that. And then I'll list out all the things I need to do. And I can put it in like columns to do to research done in progress. And I can work on stuff that way. And I can like, you know, pull websites in there and add attachments. And if there's something that has to be done by a certain day, I can do a due date, it'll email me because I use my email kind of as my to do list too. So yeah. it works out really, really well. So that's kind of, I use it for just about everything from um, work-related stuff to personal stuff to, yeah, new projects to keeping track of all the projects to brain dump content ideas for Hair of the Dog. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was creating the course to like map out my business of pet photography course, like I can use it for everything. And then, then of course, you have to organize all your boards because then you look in and you're like, oh, my God, I have 37,000 boards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this looks like the inside of my brain. <laughs> Back away slowly. <laughs> I know. It's scary. It's a scary, scary place. Caitlin, <laughs> okay, are you going to be signing up for a trial like, uh, as soon as we head from this call? <laughs> yeah, I, I really am because my, my little notebook is um, not keeping up. <laughs> I say the best thing about it is it's free. I've never really oh, cool. used the upgraded plan. You just sold it to Caitlin. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Number two. <laughs> uh, number two, Caitlin, is uh, thanks to you, which I had never heard of it until you did your guest post on Hair of the Dog years ago. Mm. Is uh, Zapier? Oh yeah. We all love Zapier. We're all fan girls here. I, I can't live without Zapier. <laughs> Yeah, us too. Yes, it connects everything in my life. (laughs) So just quickly, um, Zapier, how would you explain it um, to anyone who doesn't know, Nicole? Uh, I basically just tell them it connects all of your things, all of your different software. So if there's something that's happening in one software and you need to get information or something to happen in another software, 
That is the missing link that will do it seamlessly. Something I always use it for is when I'm collecting names and email addresses uh, on my website, that goes straight into a Google Sheets document automatically. Mm, yes. I set up as Zapier to recognize that a new line or new row has been added in Google Sheets. And uh, then that will, through Zapier, trigger an email to be sent to that person automatically. So things like that is what you can do in Zapier, but it doesn't have to just be email or um or Google Sheets, it can, yeah, can be any app almost. Oh my gosh, yeah. And I did the same thing, except I had it set up a little differently. I had it when someone fill out my jot form, it would go to Gmail and send out an inquiry email to them. And it would also go and add their email address to my Mad Mimi account. Perfect. So, I mean, it's thousands, over a thousand apps that it works with. So, yeah, it's great. And then um, quickly, I'd say quickly number three is Dubsado. I started using that for my um, client management software. I've tried other things in the past and I have never fallen in love with any of them because I always found that like I can't give up QuickBooks and I wanted it to play with Zapier. And um, Dubsado does both of those and it has been... Uh, the angels have been singing. <laughs> I've got a couple of uh, my mentor students who are using Dubsado as well, maybe because of you, Nicole. And, yeah, it uh, could be. I'm like, oh, maybe I need a switch. But um, yeah, that sounds great as well. So that's a, a client management system, right? Yes. Yeah. And it's great. And they're adding new stuff all the time. And they also have amazing support. You can sign up for like free 20 minute one-to-ones if you have random questions that's more than just an email. Oh, that's cool. And they'll jump on and walk, walk you through whatever you need. Awesome. They're awesome. Cool. So we should move on to your favorite books if you've got any that inspire you. Uh, yeah. I mean, I could talk of a whole hour podcast on my favorite books. Yes, please. <laughs> 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 Forget marketing. Let's just talk about our favorite books. <laughs> um, my favorite is, um, well, my favorite recent one um, is You Are a Bad... I don't know if I'm allowed to say it. You definitely are. <laughs> okay. You Are a Badass by Jen Sincero. Um, it's amazing. It's awesome. It's a great book and she's hysterical. It's really funny to read. Oh, I've seen this. Is that the one? It's got like, um, she's done You Are a Badass at Making Money as well, right? Yes. Yep. 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 That's a good one. That's a good one too. Uh, that's on my to, to read list. Okay. Do the regular You Are a Badass first. Yes. And then go to the money one because that one's really good too. But the first one is the best place to start. Very good. Caitlin's writing it down. I, I really am. <laughs> I'm such a book geek. <laughs> I would say number two is uh, The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. Um, another mindset one talking about like we all have limiting beliefs that we might not even realize that we have a limiting belief um, and how to figure out what those are and smash them. And um, last one, another favorite is Elizabeth Gilbert's Big Magic. I uh, love that book. Have you listened to her podcast? Yes. It just makes me cry every time. (laughs) (laughs) I love her. So is she also on your inspiring podcast? She wasn't on my list for that one because actually I listened to it so long ago, I kind of forgot about it. Does she have new ones or was it all just that one series? No, there was a second season. Ooh, all right. I'll have to re-download that one. Yeah. I just listened to the first season. Nice. She's fantastic. (laughs) Yeah. So who is on your podcast list then, Nicole? So I listen to podcasts like constantly because I'm in the car a lot, driving the kids around or walking the dog or whatever. The Chase Jarvis show is one of my favorites. He interviews some of the most amazing people. That's a good one. And then Building a Story Brand from Donald Miller 
is incredible about um, positioning your business and like making the customer the hero because everybody goes to their website and writes all about like me, me, me. This is why I created my business. But your potential client doesn't care. Make it about them and make them the hero and you're the guide. And it's it's genius. Um, and then my number three is Mind Your Business Podcast by James Wedmore. And again, that's a lot of mindset stuff, which I really, really love. Great. Oh, that's some um, really good resources in there for, for anyone listening to check out. We might actually pop those in um, in the notes of the show. Is that right, Caitlin? Yeah, definitely. Let's do that. That'll keep everybody busy for a while. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So then our lucky last one is just because me and Kirsty are both quote um, collectors. Do you have oh, a yeah. quote to live by, work by? I do. I do. I'm also, when I like have a few minutes, I pull up Pinterest and I like pin quotes. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I feel you. <laughs> Um, my favorite right now is Oscar Wilde, and it is to live is the rarest thing in the world. Most people exist. That is all. Oh, I love that. All right. Fantastic. Thanks for sharing those. Of course. So I'd love to just touching back on when you started Nicole Bagley Photography, what were your limiting beliefs? Well, definitely when I first started, my limiting belief was there's no way I can make this go with just dogs that it would have to be, you know, families. Right. And then, of course, like so many other people, my very first um, few clients, like I started my business when I was still pregnant with my son. Oh, wow. So I had, I don't know, like maybe, I don't know, six to 10 clients, just like for uh, two months, really, before I then, you know, took a maternity break, just to kind of get started. Um, and for them, I was doing the, oh, $100 mini session. Here's CD of images. Right. <laughs> um, but I think we've all been, you know, all been there at some point until we realize, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> this is not <laughs> ideal. Um, and then I was lucky enough to find uh, PPA and their, um, their Imaging USA conference. It's like a, a huge conference for photographers here in the States. And uh, one of my friends that lived in Philadelphia, she was a photographer too, fairly new when I was friends with her from college. And so I contacted her. I'm like, hey, do you want to go to this with me? She's like, yes. So we went just kind of on a whim. I was like, I I need some information. Like I I know that there's got to be a little bit more of a roadmap than me just floundering out here. So I went to that conference and it literally changed the trajectory of my business because I realized, oh, this would not be sustainable for a hundred dollars a session and all of the images. And I need to be selling products. I need to be focusing on wall art and here's how I do that. And I need to be doing in-person sales. So when I then had my son and had a couple months um, on maternity leave from my other job and I was like, I'm going to set my business up right. So I kind of redid my website I, you know, re kind of redid everything. And when I came back after maternity leave, uh, I started with silent auctions, which I know we want to talk about here shortly. And my very first session was a silent auction um, winner, actually down in Florida. My mom goes down to Florida all winter. So at that time, the kids weren't in school. So I'd go down for like a month. So I donated to the rescue down there, their big silent auction. Um, people won, we set up the session, we did the session. And they ended up purchasing uh, $5,500 of product, which blew my 
mind. Yeah. <laughs> Beforehand, they told me, they're like, okay, we want to do this. Like, basically, they did 14 canvases in their entryway. Whoa. Wow. It was from a movie. They're like, go rent this movie. We want to do that. What's in that movie? We want to do that in our entryway. So I went to Redbox or, you know, rented a movie and watch it and like, huh, okay. <laughs> so yeah, so we put that together and then uh, they did an album and at that point, they got complimentary digital files, but that was okay. Yeah, 5,500. 5, <laughs> they can get the complimentary <laughs> Yeah. So they, it, it, and it taught me a lot of lessons because it taught me the, okay, we kind of need to talk about a little bit, which, and it wasn't me at all. It was total dumb luck that they were like, this is what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. And uh, it kind of cemented the importance of, you know, I still do it on the phone. I don't do in-person consultations unless someone really wants to. But I always talk from inquiry all the way through to the session of what do you want to do with these images? Let's talk about what you want to do with these images. Here's the options. Um, so that they start thinking about that. So I have an idea because the sale happens long before you get to the sales rooms. You know, you have to start educating them from really from the website. Uh, before they even contact you, I think. Yeah, absolutely. So with your silent auctions, were you contacting the rescue group? Yes, I contacted them. I've contacted most, all my good ones I contact. <laughs> uh-huh. Could you walk us through that maybe, Nicole? Um, walk us through that process. So like how do you first uh, decide on a charity, I suppose, that you want to support? Is it always animal-related? Nope. Nope. Um, so yeah, so my charities that I like to support are basically I look for a couple of things. Is my target market going to be there? So is it a fairly young demographic? I mean, that's always going to be probably 40 and above just because that's usually the age where people start to have more discretionary income and time to be going to gala events. Um, so even though my main target market's usually more like 30, mid 30s to 50. Um, some of my silent auction people are just, you know, up five or 10 years. But anyway, I, I, I don't want it to be like all all retirees. I want some younger people in there, basically. I also want the per plate price to be at least $150 per ticket, because then that also becomes a qualifier. Um And even if, you know, even if they're going to this because their work bought a table, so they didn't pay the $150 a plate to go there. The second round of qualification is I only donate to live or silent auctions, and I prefer silent auctions. Um, And those silent auctions are basically where they have a table of all the things people can buy, and people walk around and they just have a list and someone's like, I bid $100, I bid $150, I bid $200, I bid $250. So they just walk around and write it down. And then at like 8 o'clock, it's done. People put their pens down, and whoever bid the most wins. So with that type of thing, they're getting qualified again because they're still spending usually a couple hundred dollars for my session. So they're opening up their wallet and saying, yes, I want to do this. And yes, here's some money. And it's not, you know, it's not $20. It's, it's a sizable investment for them to make. So I know they're serious about it and they have a little bit of disposable income. So that's how I, I make the decisions. And those, the, those are two of the biggest issues that people I think have or challenges that they 
kind of miss when they're doing silent auctions and then they end up not having a great experience and they're like, well, why didn't that work? I I tried it. It doesn't work. I tried it. It doesn't work here. And the mistakes they usually make are they're not choosing the right auctions. They aren't donating to live or silent auctions. They're maybe doing raffles where people put in a ticket um, because then you can't qualify people that way. And the third mistake I see people making is they will just donate a session fee and an eight by 10. And, you know, when we get client inquiries, what's the one thing that we don't want anyone to purchase? Eight by tens. Yeah. Right. (laughs) And so like, why would you ever put that out there? Because that's already what they're thinking. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'll get a cute picture of my dog and just, you know, get an eight by 10 in a frame. So what are you donating? Okay. I donate a $400 wall art or album credit. Right. Um, So they can only use it for wall art and albums. They technically can get my very smallest piece of wall art or a teeny tiny little five by five album. Well, actually not quite anymore. That's a little bit more, but they can get something. So they, they actually can come do the session and just walk away with one little small, like 11 by 14 canvas. Um, but they never have. You specify that's for wall art. So in theory, someone couldn't take that $400 credit and buy several eight by tens. Right. Exactly. No prints. They may not buy prints. They can buy prints with their own cash. <laughs> mm-hmm. They can't use the the auction winnings to do prints. That's fantastic. It's because as soon as they get a couple prints, they're that's all they think they need. Yeah. So, and and you know, and then I'm a couple different things. They come and they bid on it, and it says wall art or album. So they're already thinking, oh, I'm going to get a wall art or album. So already right there is number one hurdle, and then. By making it a dollar credit towards those things, I haven't put a size on it. Like if I said a 16 by 20 canvas, mm-hmm. then they've already decided, oh, I'm going to do the session and get a 16 by 20 canvas. Like even if it's $400, it's the same amount. By putting the dollar amount to be used for a specific product, then they they have like you can educate them and like the world is their oyster. They don't, they're not already decided, oh, I'm just going to get a 16 by 20 because that's what I win. It's like, oh, I have $400. Well, I have $400, but, well, that's really beautiful, but it's 1000 ah, But I have a $400 credit, so it's really only $600. Um, so it's so much easier for people to really get what they really want, too, and then us make some money on the back end as well. <laughs> yeah. So, Nicole, speaking of making money, um, <laughs> do you also include in this um, donation – Do you put the session fee as well? Yes. Yeah. So these are the only sessions that I do where they literally are not giving me any money before I show up, but they have bought the, they gave the charity money. So they gave somebody money. (laughs) Yeah. So they've already put some skin in. So they're they're, um, bidding on the session and a $400 wall art or album credit. Yes. Great. Okay. And is there something in particular that people should be looking for? You know, because I know I'm in Adelaide in Australia. It's a pretty small city. Maybe it's just because it's a small city, but I could probably count on like my fingers how many of these auctions we would have in Adelaide across the year that have a ticket price of $150 per person and, you know, they would do a live or a silent auction um, and would have my target market. So 
is there somewhere in particular that you're finding these these events? Because they're not all animal related, are they? Right, right, exactly. Um, so yeah, so I definitely do the big rescues. Um, and then I love to do cultural events. So if you have a symphony or a ballet or that kind of stuff, if you have medical galas, oh, yeah. um, and even, which is not usually my target market for my dog owners, but there is a private school here that I uh, would donate to each year. But it's a lot of senior girls and their horses because there's always people that are, are riding there. And so I get a great senior girl and her horse just about every year from that one. Oh, that's fantastic. So they're, they're definitely around. And, you know, around Pittsburgh, it's, it's not a huge city either. It's, a, you know, maybe a million people in the greater, greater Pittsburgh region, um, like in the surrounding counties as well. And... Uh, you know, we have a magazine called Whirl, which is, you know, it has like the beginning section of the magazine has maybe six to eight pages every month of the galas that happened this past month, like the big ones. Uh, yeah. So I, the first year I started doing this, I'm like, all right, get me a subscription to that magazine. And they have it online too. So you can even just go look for free online because they publish it online. Um and then I would write down, okay, this gala, that gala, this gala. <laughs> I would write down what month it is because it's usually around the same time of year each year. And then I would make a note to myself for like six months out from the next one to get in touch with the development director. And it's usually easily accessible to find their contact information because they want people to contact them to give them money. Yeah. <laughs> and I would just email them and introduce myself and tell them what I do and tell them I would love to support their, um, if they have a silent auction at any galas or fundraisers, I would love to support it. And here's what I can offer. Please let me know if this can be, um, of use to you. And they're usually thrilled only a couple times they didn't. And that's because they had a very specific theme to their silent auction. Um, but yeah, they're usually thrilled because they would have to go out and procure these from the community anyway. So having it come to them is, very helpful. And also by offering that bigger credit, if there's a couple other photographers or maybe they're limiting it um, to, you know, not as many photographers, you're offering a bigger piece of pie for them. So they're going to choose yours over somebody else that's maybe just doing a session in the 8x10. And your target market is going to choose yours over a session 8x10 because it's more valuable, you know, and a lot of times people are like, oh, yeah, no, I want the best. So in those tables, for example, at the silent auctions mm-hmm. where people have what what's on display, what are you displaying? I have a um, metal tabletop display. Okay. It's like 18 by 18 and it has just like nine little mm-hmm. square metal things that hang down from it with my logo in the middle. So it has eight images around it and a little, so just something heavy duty. Right. Yeah. Uh, but something that'll also go with your branding a little bit, you know, you don't want to do like, you know, rustic wood if all your stuff's super modern, <laughs> you know, or vice versa. So you're not necessarily displaying wall art, which would be what they're winning. You're just showing something that shows a little of your photography, a little of your style. Right, right, right. right. Yep, exactly. And sometimes I do have some wall art. Mm-hmm. It depends. I have a couple different things. things. And I haven't found a difference because sometimes I do do a piece of wall art and sometimes I do this and I haven't found either makes a difference for the quality of client that I get. Um, so I don't think you have to overthink that. I just wouldn't do an eight by 10 in a frame. Right. Because again, that's what they're subconsciously thinking. Yeah, that makes sense. So how many clients are you roughly shooting per year? Um, I usually shoot uh, about 
35 to 45 a year. And how many of those would be coming from silent auction? Uh, probably about five to 10. Um, I haven't done as many the past couple of years The before I started spending more and more time doing hair, the dog stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, my goal was to shoot between 50 and 60 clients and I would have about 10 to 15 coming from silent auctions. Um, one of my students that took this strategy in uh, DC donated to 70, um, seven zero silent auctions. I believe he had 40 people claim it because not everybody claims it. Right. And that's okay. You still get a tax deduction, at least in the States, you get a tax deduction for your donation and the charity makes money and it didn't cost you anything. So whatever. Um, 40 people booked. He had an average sale of $1,500 after the discount. So it would have been 1900, but Mm -hmm. 1500 after the discount and made like, you know, I forget like $42,000 for the year from silent auction donations. That's a fantastic strategy. So yeah, it's like, why not? Just do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that leads us pretty um, smoothly into hair of the dog, which obviously is sort of the other half of Nicole Bagley, right? Right. Um, and definitely, I would I would assume most pet photographers listening to this would be familiar with hair of the dog. You've got however many thousands of members on the Facebook group. What is it like about 5,000? Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> I never dreamed of that many. Awesome. It's insane. I remember when you started that group years ago and thinking, oh, this is so nice. This is like a way to connect with all other pet photographers. And it has just exploded. It is such a great resource. Um, We did actually, we put out on our Instagram a suggestion to our followers that they could nominate a guest. And our very first nomination was someone nominating you, basically (laughs) saying she's fantastic. We're like, oh, we already know that. We've got to come. Um, you have just done such great things in the world of education for pet photography how did you get into it oh I've always loved teaching people so even back from my zoo days I would help other trainers with their training and like I I really love teaching people Um, so it really just kind of was a natural evolution and I also really am passionate about you know, having everyone go back to that quote of mine to try to live, like actually live a life that they love and not just, you know, get pushed around going with the flow and going to a job you don't really like, you know, it's this, this business is hard. you got to work. I mean, clients don't come easy. You need to do something to get them, but it's totally possible. And, um, you know, and I just love to, to help people, make some money. Nothing makes me happier than when I get an email from a client or a student telling me that they just had their biggest sale ever. Um, you know, some of my students have had sales bigger than I've ever had. But I, I love it. It makes me, it makes me so happy for them. Uh, so yeah, it just, it feeds my soul. Yeah. I think that's so beautiful. Um, and I'm definitely on board with you there. So, uh, essentially, if we all work together, because pet photography is such an still such an early industry. Yep. I, I do genuinely feel like if we're all working together to make the industry better, it's just going to end up with more clients for everyone. Yeah, absolutely. We're all sort of pushing that. So um, I know you did Barcelona with Kaylee and Charlotte. Yeah. Uh-huh. And at the moment you've got your business of 
pet photography course running. Is that right? Yeah, yeah sure. So yeah, so the course part itself, the lessons are, you know, pre recorded and people have access, you can log in and watch it whenever. So, um, you know, with time zones and people's schedules, there's no live part for that to show up. But then I have um, times over the course of the summer, you know, summer evenings, to hopefully let you guys down in Australia actually get in live every once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm a huge believer in that, you know, I, I don't want to just teach people, here's how I run my business. Um, and you should do it this way too, because maybe they don't want to run their business like I do. Maybe they want to work part time and, you know, but still bring in some extra money for vacations or something. Or maybe they want to do like more high volume studio work or maybe, you know, whatever it is. There's so many different ways to run your business. So I share what I do, but then I also love to help people find their own way to run their business and give them options for here's some different ways you can do some pricing and, you know, this and that. And so people can kind of figure out what works best for their goals. Right. So a little bit of everything for anyone. Yes. I'm, I'm a big planner. So I'm assuming you're big on creating a plan with it all of your students or sort of what do you recommend? Yeah. So, you know, the, everybody wants to know how to get, how do I get more clients? Um, but I, there's so many pillars that need to be in place to be able to actually convert these leads into actual clients and sales. So, you know, mm -hmm. say you're out there marketing and you have an awesome marketing strategy, but your website is horrific. Then no one is going to actually contact you and inquire, even if you get a great, you know, Hey, um, you know, a great referral that my friend so-and-so told me to come here, they're still going to go to your website. So your website better not look like it's from, you know, 1989, <laughs> the very first website or like a blogspot.com website. Um, you know, so things like that. And then making sure that you're priced appropriately, because, you know, if you have a thousand clients, but you're charging a hundred dollars for a whole session, you know, you're, you're going to burn yourself out and you're not going to be profitable. Same thing with sales. If you're throwing everything up on an online gallery and hoping to make, you know, $1,500, $2,000 sales, it's just, it's not going to happen. Um, or it's very, very, very rare if it is, uh, you know, so all of these things, you know, your client experience and your workflow need to be in place. And then, once you have these building blocks, then you can go out and start this marketing plan and start bringing the clients in. Now, there is a fine line. I do always like to tell people the all your pillars don't need to be perfect. <laughs> they just need to be good. <laughs> and then you can make them more yeah. perfect later and work on them. So you, I don't want people to get hung up because it's easy to get hung up in the, my logo's not perfect. My website's not perfect, so mm -hmm. I can't do anything else. What font do I need to use for this? Yeah. 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 Like, no, just make it good enough and make it set up so it is leading to success when you get your clients in. Um, and then go out and uh, bring forth the clients. <laughs> yeah, that's a big one in our household as well, Nicole. My, um, when I was growing up, my dad would always say, 80-20 rule, Kirsty, 80-20 yes, rule. Yes, yes. You, you always still say that, Kirsty. We'll be chatting and you just say to yourself, 80-20 rule, Kirsty. I'm like, are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> but I, I agree. I think I'm, I'm naturally a perfectionist and it's something over the years I've had to fight against because otherwise I would still be, you know, 10 years ago trying to work out what logo to have. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, exactly. I'd still be editing that one image from like last year. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, I think everybody just about in our industry, we all, I mean, we're probably drawn to it as artists and creatives mm-hmm. because, and you know, and it's such a personal expression that we want it to be perfect. Mm-hmm. And even our business is so much, you know, personal expression of us and really a personal brand. You're like, I want it to be perfect, but it doesn't need to be perfect. It just needs to be set up appropriately. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so I'm interested in um, sort of diving off of that. What does success look like for you personally? Oh, yeah. Um, so success for me is being able to do what I want when I want. Mm-hmm. And mostly that is being able to say, I'm going to take two weeks off the summer and go to Croatia. And oh, this is happening. Oh, guess what? I don't have to like count my vacation days <laughs> and work extra. So I have enough vacation days to do the things I want to do. So I am very much a work super hard when I'm home. But then, you know, like I go to Florida for two weeks over Christmas and, you know, I, I use every bit, I'm finagling my husband's vacation days. I'm always like, all right, so how many, how many days do you have? All right, just some here, some here, there, there. But, um, yeah, just being able to, to kind of, I work in spurts, I guess you can say work really hard for a little while. And then I I take a nice long break. Yeah. I love that. Just being able to do that and. Being able to be home, the, you know, my daughter was homesick from school yesterday and it's just like, oh, that's fine. I'm, I'm working from home anyway. Um, just being able to have flexibility in my life. Freedom, I suppose, is, is my number one like driver in my life is just freedom. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think it's sort of something that attracts most people into running their own business. Do you run um, it all from home? I do. I do. I have a, um, a home studio in my basement that I built a couple years ago. So I have a small shooting space down there. And um, the most important that I love is my sales room. So I used to go to people's homes um, for the mm-hmm. first, gosh, six years of my business. In the past two, they've been coming to me. And it is so nice to not have to drive all over the place to go to them. <laughs> um, so when we move, I won't have a home studio, but I will have a home sales room. Our dining room is going to be um, my sales room because... Who needs a formal dining room when you have a nice eating kitchen? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. How do you go? So you have your one daughter? Yes, my daughter's 10 and I have a seven-year-old son. How do you go running the home business with kids at home? They are, this past year was the first year they were both in school all day. Again, I hear those angels singing in the background. (laughs) Um, But really, it it just taught me... And I don't really know any different because I've always had kids when I started my business. Mm-hmm. It just, it makes you be more efficient. Like when you sit down and you're going to get it done. And I still have my days where I'm like, what did I do today? I spent way too much time on Facebook or, you know. <laughs> and those are the days that I don't have a plan that I didn't like start the day with. I need to do these two things. Mm-hmm. You know, if I plan ahead and say, today I'm doing this, then it gets done. But um, yeah, it's when I, I don't have a set when I don't plan for the day, it kind of goes off the rails. <laughs> I'm definitely like that. As, yeah, I'm like that as well, Nicole. Like as soon as I sit at my desk, um, every morning the first thing I do is write out a list of the shit that has to get done that day. Yes. Yeah, I feel that. Uh-huh. <laughs> and if I don't have a list, I also have your day, like a day like that as well. Like, oh, I must have been scrolling Facebook. Like I was on hair of the dog all day. Right? And I'm like, I should have just, <laughs> yeah, like, just taken the day and like relaxed and because I didn't yeah that's the most frustrating thing where you're like I could have just 
you know, been watching Netflix all day. I haven't actually done anything. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you're doing your sales at home. Do you do, you do projection or you're on the TV or? TV. TV. Mm-hmm. I just didn't really have the space for a full projection. I only use a TV as well. But TV works. I just wanted to talk about that a little bit quicker because I know Caitlin uses a projection now. I use a TV. You're using a TV, Nicole. Um, but you're selling multi-wall galleries, aren't, uh, piece galleries, aren't you? Sometimes. Um, yeah. So a, a lesson to show what you want to sell. Um, a couple years ago in my pricing guide, I had a whole bunch of wall galleries like mocked up with prices. And I sold a ton of wall galleries. And then I had a... Um, uh, my price menu for like the past couple years, two years, I didn't have those wall galleries in there and I didn't really sell as many wall galleries. Very few. I mostly sold a couple bigger wall pieces, like a single bigger wall piece. Um, so now with my new pricing guide, I added those wall galleries back in there. <laughs> Are they what you like to sell? I do. I do like to sell them for sure. But it's also goes back to knowing what we want to create beforehand. And I always tell the clients that, Hey, us talking about this now, like, you know, I say, let's, let's, uh, you don't, none you don't have to commit to purchasing these things now, but what are you thinking about doing with your products? Because depending on what you're interested in affects how I'm going to shoot your session. Mm -hmm. Because if they are interested at all in a wall gallery, I need to make sure I get some nice variety in the same tones in the same area. Because if we're in a spot and we're moving from this area to that, and this is like, you know, more in the sun, and then this is like, real monochromatic because I, I love like patterns and kind mm-hmm. of monochromatic stuff. Um, you know, it's not going to go well with this one that's in all green grasses, you know, so I want, I want the whole wall gallery to have the same look and feel. Yeah. Very different shooting for a wall gallery than an album, for example. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Do you sell the digital files? I do. I do. But I have them priced so that in the past eight years I've had, two people purchased just the digital files and one of them was moving out of the country. <laughs> right. Can I ask what their price at? Yep. They're 2,500 for the whole session. I have them, um, 995 or 999 for five and then like 1500 for 10, 2000 for 20 and then 2,500 for all. Mm-hmm. And, um, the way I just switched my pricing to, just this year, just uh, very recently, um, is basically a create your own collection. So it's all listed a la carte. But if they do at least one wall piece, 16 by 20 or larger, plus two other products of any products that they want, then they save 20% on everything. Or 25%, mm-hmm. sorry, 25% on everything. Um, so that then gives them reasons to look at, to turn into value seekers. Um, and then I just make sure my my margins are good enough that, you know, I'm like to try to keep it about 20% cost of goods sold. Yeah, absolutely. What's your average sale? If you don't mind me asking. Yeah, no problem. It's, um, fluctuates between like a 2,500 and 3,000 usually. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So theoretically any of your clients looking at sort of 2,500 would be going, I could get digitals or I could actually walk away with something beautiful, like hang on my wall. That's yep. what they and they do get any ordered image. They get the web file, the watermark yep. web file for social media. Yeah, I do that too. Which is often what I find that they want. They That's why they want it. They just want to have it. They don't need to print from it, but they want a record of, you know, the images that we created. 
Well, they want to show it off on Facebook. That too, which is good marketing. Yeah, absolutely. Because <laughs> yeah. Facebook isn't going to show it if you share it, but if they share it, then yeah. people might see it. <laughs> Do you get a fair amount of business through social media marketing? No, I'm a, not a good social media marketer, so don't mm-hmm. don't follow me for that. <laughs> <laughs> me either. I- I always feel like, oh, I'm going to start and, I'm, and, you know, sit down and batch it out. And then that always just falls off. My oh, yeah. List. I need to find someone to help me do that because it's just not happening. <laughs> yeah, def- I'm like that as well, Nicole. Like my uh, social media is all managed by uh, the girl who works for me in the office. So then when we started like the Pet Tourist Club Instagram, I got all excited because I was like, oh, fresh slate, we can do it properly. And I've like done all these templates and Caitlin's just like, what is going on? None of your other social media looks like this. Your Facebook page profile hasn't been updated in like 10 years. <laughs> I know. I had a last year, you know how Instagram does the top nine for the year? Oh, yeah. So I did my... I did my top nine and it was like, here's your top nine out of 27 posts. I'm like, oh my God, I only posted 27 times. Oh, yeah. That's terrible. <laughs> yeah. So if um, if silent auctions, for example, are giving you, say, 10 um, per year and yep. you're shooting, say, about 50, 40, 50 clients yep. a year, yep. um, where, where's the rest of your work coming from? Um, referrals, silent auctions. I do some charitable marketing, which, you know, doing the referral to the, um, or doing the donation to the silent auction, you then build mm-hmm. a relationship. You know, it's like the partner marketing. You're, you're starting to build relationships with these, uh, these, um, charities. And then you can maybe do like, I've done some session fee fundraisers. This works really well, especially for a little bit smaller rescues where they're might not have a giant gala, but they still have a really engaged following of people that love what they do. Mm-hmm. So you can do a um, basically offering a special session fee that has a donation back to the charity and make it better than they would get if they had just booked a regular session fee for you. I usually include a product credit. So right. it's, you know, say it's a $99 session fee. It includes $50 to the charity and a $100 product credit. And, you know, my cost of goods are still plenty low that, and, and those people end up, the book, it end up being average, average sale clients because I go through the same inquiry process, the same qualification process, you know, give them the same information. So the people that aren't going to spend the money weed themselves out as soon as they see my price list. Right. So, yeah, and that works really, really well. And, you know, then the charities are promoting you and, and you have a connection with that charity that their followers love. So they automatically love you. Um, are you running these as short-term promotions? Yes. Nope, short-term promotions. So they have like two weeks to do it. Right. So it's like fundraising for Doggy Rescue Pittsburgh yep. um, for the next two weeks. And-, and then they usually promote it. So, I mean, I talk to them. They will put it on their Facebook page or send it to their e-newsletter, or, you know, however they want to promote it works for me. So you're moving, um, how far away is Charlotte, by the way? About seven hour drive, six and a half, seven. Okay. Okay. So you're never going to, you're not going to be going back and forth. Um, no, I mean, I'll be back in Pittsburgh once in a while, a couple times a year. We'll still have family and friends here, yeah. but, um, yeah, I won't be here regularly. Okay. So you're moving and, um, obviously you're starting from scratch basically when it comes to building up relationships and that sort of thing. Is right. that correct? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I know very few people down there. So, yep. So I'm going to guess that this is going to be one of the first couple of things you're going to be doing. Is that right? Like going out, 
finding options you can donate to, building relationships with yep. charities. So is this something that you we will be doing straight away, this like kind of $99 session fee, half of it to rescue? Is that something you would recommend? Yeah, for sure. Probably. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to, I've actually already started um, stalking some people on social media, making some connections with um, some uh, like a, there's a blogger down there that's like Charlotte dogs, you know, for pet parents kind of thing. So I've already gotten in touch with her. Um, so yeah, I started making some connections and I'll be doing charitable marketing. I'll be hitting the, the silent auctions hard. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a ton of breweries and like dog friendly breweries and wineries down there, which I feel like will be swimming with my target market. Cause it's usually a younger crowd without kids that are going there. Cause they can. <laughs> um, and, uh, so yeah, so I'll be contacting those guys. Um, I bought Kirstie's book. So I will be doing the, get the people in the seat model calls that she's doing. Um, so yeah, I'm going to be hitting the ground running in all directions. Awesome. That's fantastic. And I guess um, the beauty of a hair of the dog and your education clients is you have those two income streams for, for your business now. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That does make it a little bit easier and not quite as scary. Yeah. But it's also, it's interesting too, because like, you know, it's, it's since I've been in business for so long, I have my systems in place. I have my style in place. I have like all my stuff in place. So I feel like going into a new market now is not nearly as challenging as it was when you were like starting from scratch, you know, because yeah, definitely, it's just like, all right, I know what to do. Let's, let's do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, I'm kind of excited. It'll be fun. Oh, I'm so excited for you. Thanks. <laughs> thanks. But that's also really inspiring for anybody who's listening who's just starting out, like, rather than moving. Because, you know, even though you have your systems and procedures set up and, you know, you can edit quickly now and you've got your pricing structure and all of that sort of thing. Right. As far as clients go, you won't have any. Like, I believe that the minute you walk in there, you're going to be fired because you've got a plan in place. And I think that's the one thing that the listeners should definitely be li- like hearing from this. You know, listen to the things that other people are um, are doing and, yep. and just go out and actually action them because that's why you're successful, Nicole, and why you're definitely going to be successful in Charlotte is because you actually action these ideas. They're not just, you know, written on your notepad or in Trello. Yep, yep. There are some that are still just in Trello, <laughs> to be fair. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, if you if you've got twenty ideas and you're actioning fifteen of them, then you know you're going to have a full calendar. Absolutely, so. it's true. The key is to get out there, and and you have to take action. And imperfect action beats perfect inaction every time. So even if you don't have the answers, just get out there and start, and then you'll learn some more, and then you can revamp and do it differently next time. And you know, it's just a. And I'm still learning. We're all still learning. You know, I'm still tweaking things. You guys are still trying new things. I mean, it's, you never know it all. And it's always a big experiment. Oh, absolutely. I think that's such a good thing to live by. And I I think as soon as we start just doing the same thing over and over in our businesses, it becomes stale. You get bored and your clients get used to what you're doing and it's just not exciting anymore. Yeah. Agreed. Well, I definitely look forward to, um, yeah, seeing how you go in uh, Charlotte, Nicole, and, and yeah. keeping an eye out on your social media, which is going to be a little bit more active. <laughs> yes. I said it now in front of the world, so now I have to I have to step up my game. 
we'll have to get you back um, on the podcast in a few more seasons, maybe, and um, oh, yeah. and see how you went with that transition and and you know what. I would love that. Yeah, that would be great. Oh, thank you so 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 much for coming on, Nicole. Oh, well, thank you for having me. It was so fun. I could talk to you guys all the time. Next time, I think I'll just have to fly to Australia. We'll have to do this in yeah, person. Yeah, easy. Just pop <laughs> I can write it off. It'll be a tax deduction. Yeah. <laughs> Before you pop off, where can the listener find you? Yeah, for sure. My Instagram is um, Nicole Bagley Photography, and I also have Hair of the Dog blog on Instagram. Um, which is very soon going to be a, um, Instagram feed where everyone can be featured. So keep an eye out for details of how that is going to work. And, um, on Facebook, it's hair of the dog blog and Nicole Bagley pets. And, um, the websites are hair of the dog blog.com and Nicole Bagley photography.com. Excellent. We'll put links to all of those in the notes anyway, so that people can just click straight on them as well. Yeah. Thank you so much for all of your time and for sharing so much. Um, I'm inspired by this silent auction um, process that you've got going on. Yeah, and, me too. Uh, and everything else as well. Cole, you're here in industry, so thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. We'll chat to you soon, I'm sure. Uh, thanks, ladies. <laughs> it was a pleasure. Bye. <laughs> So that, ladies and gentlemen, was the amazing Nicole Bagley. There was an absolute goldmine of advice in there, particularly with her silent auction and charity partner marketing strategies. We have all the links and resources that Nicole mentioned, including everything in her success toolbox in our show notes for this episode. And next week, um, we're going to be diving deeper into the subject of Zapier. That's one of the essential apps that Nicole mentioned in her success toolbox. That's in our members only episode. So if you're not a pro member of the Pet Photographers Club yet, don't forget that you can join today and you'll get your first month free. Club membership gets you access to our mastermind group on Facebook, the fortnightly deep dive, the Q&A. Plus, we've got all sorts of exclusive discounts and other awesome things and it's just $10 a month. So don't forget to head over to thepetphotographersclub.com. You can find out more and hopefully we'll see you there. That's everything for today. So thanks so much for tuning in and as always, Caitlin and I wish you all the success in your business. May your clients be happy, your business be successful and the dogs not pee on your camera bag. (laughs) Bye for now. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) 